Happy Asteroid Day, this week on Planetary Radio. Welcome, I'm Matt Kaplan of the Planetary Society with more of the human adventure across our solar system and beyond. June 30th is Asteroid Day each year. Not having been hit by a big one is reason enough to celebrate, but we'll hear that there's much more to this United Nations-sanctioned event from one of its co-founders, Danica Remy. Then we'll turn to past guest Detlef Koshny, planetary scientist, impact expert, and acting head of the European Space Agency's expanding planetary defense effort. Planetary Society Chief Scientist Bruce Betts is another passionate defender of our world. He'll join us for a special What's Up segment that could also be called What's Not Coming Down, at least not yet. I've got headlines from the latest edition of the Downlink waiting in the wings, but there have been a couple of fresh developments we should mention. Our first visit to a metal asteroid won't be launching this year. The software challenges we heard about from Principal Investigator Lindy Elkins-Tanton a couple of weeks ago have proved to be too complex to solve during the 2022 launch window. Our sympathy and best wishes go to Lindy and her team. The other news story is a Planetary Society scoop, contributed by our correspondent Andrew Jones. Andrew writes about China's plans for a nuclear-powered Neptune orbiter, Make that nuclear reactor-powered orbiter. Details are at planetary.org. You can also see the mission profile for China's plans to return a sample from the moon. That story is in the June 24 issue of the Downlink that is also available for free at planetary.org. And NASA has decided that the latest dress rehearsal for Artemis One, the launch of an uncrewed Orion capsule to the moon, and the first-ever launch of that big space launch system rocket was successful enough, the agency may now be hoping for an August or September countdown. Anyone who doubts the awesome, destructive power of an asteroid or comet has probably not heard what happened in Tunguska, Siberia, 114 years ago. They're probably also unaware of the annual event that marks this airburst, that obliterated more than 2,000 square kilometers, or 830 square miles, of remote forest. Estimates put the explosive power in the range of a modern ICBM-launched hydrogen bomb. Danica Remy might say it's this lack of awareness that inspired the creation of Asteroid Day. Danica and Apollo astronaut Rusty Schweikert Queen guitarist and astrophysicist Brian May and German filmmaker Grieg Richters pulled together the first one on June 30, 2015. It has been growing ever since. With another Asteroid Day upon us, I invited Danica to tell us about this global event. Danica, welcome to Planetary Radio. Happy Asteroid Day, a few days early as we speak. Happy Asteroid Day to you too, Matt. It's great to be on the show. I am so glad to have you here. Uh, and the, my only regret is that as this episode of Planetary Radio is published, the day before Asteroid Day, June 30, 2022, I'm sorry that uh, maybe uh, a lot of our listeners, I hope, will have time to tune into some of the other events, including the big sort of home event, uh, which is why you're talking to me from Luxembourg right now. Can you give us an idea of, of what's in store? I mean, actually, I guess as people hear this, it's already underway. 
That's correct. That's correct. So Asteroid Day was um, founded in 2014. Um, the Planetary Society was one of our founding partners, along with the Association of Space Explorers, B612 Foundation, um, and the California Academy of Science, um, and a few others. And we, when we created it, we really modeled it after Earth Day. So no one owns Earth Day. No one owns Asteroid Day. Already happening all around the world are hundreds of events happening in different countries, delivered in their language with their asteroid experts, their space mission experts, um, through local astronomy clubs. Some countries like Brazil and Chile have almost month-long activities that end around Asteroid Day. Chile has had a national writing competition um, every year for fourth graders to write something that that is the exact number of years since the asteroid uh, blew up in Chelyabinsk on June 30th, which is why June 30th is asteroid day. I'm sorry, on, in Tunguska on uh, June 30th. So these events happen, you know, all over the world, just like Earth Day. Um, but here in Luxembourg, uh, where our headquarters are for the Asteroid Foundation, um, we bring in a lot of astronauts and experts to talk to the public through a broadcast. So I'm glad you made that slip of the tongue and mentioned Chelyabinsk because that was a pretty good reminder of why uh, Asteroid Day and all the activities that go on around planetary defense, why this is so important, right? That's correct. And in fact, um, when uh, Chelyabinsk happened, that got several of us talking about what can we do to help educate the world? I mean, asteroids are really interesting, right? I mean, they're fantastic celestial objects. Um, they've got a great story about being able to hopefully in the future really tell us a lot about how we came to be here as human beings and, and the rest of our beautiful home planet. And occasionally they hit our home planet, um, which we'd like to have not happen. The idea of events really um, made it clear that we needed to figure out how to start a global movement to educate the world more. And that's what started the conversation about let's create Asteroid Day. And what a success it has been uh, ever since the founding. And d I, I, my feeling is it probably just continues to grow. I mean, you're seeing so much activity around the world, as you've already said. Yeah. I mean, one of the things is like, we don't require people to always tell us when they're using our logo or our brand. Mm. Um, and so, you know, groups register at our website and, you know, for your listeners around the world, you can go to www.astroidday.org. Not that you need the www anymore these days um, <laughs> and search on events and um, see if there's, you know, one registered in your local area, in your country. But what we find after Asteroid Day, like last year, we found over 600 events that didn't register, right? Because oh. they don't have to register. So the idea has really taken flight and people are interpreting Asteroid Day in so many incredibly wonderful ways. I love this kind of structure. I mean, it's similar to, you know, another event that I look forward to every year, Yuri's Night, where there are events around the world and, you know, they may or may not report into uh, Yuri's Night Central and say, yeah, we're doing something over here in Serbia or whatever. It, it just seems so brilliantly and purely democratic uh, to, to make it work this way. Yeah, we like to call it um, really it's an open source concept. And everything that we publish, we publish toolkits, we publish lesson plans, we publish, you know, event reports. The whole idea is take our idea, please, and do it in your way, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, for those who can still catch it, what can they expect to see in that big four-hour uh, broadcast that's uh, taking place, like I said, just a, a less than a day after this show is published? 
So you can watch the show uh, on asteroidday.org, and we'll also be streaming it through SES satellites. Um, so the satellite tune-in instructions are on our website, and we'll also be streaming over Twitch TV. Um, and you can expect to see a lot of really leading scientists who are working on asteroid missions. We've got an exciting mission in Europe called HERA that's you know set to go off and visit the asteroid that the DART mission, the Double Asteroid Redirect Test Mission, is going to be crashing into at the end of uh, this year, which we're all really excited about. Yeah. Um, so uh, we have a, a series of astronauts who are um, coming um, to see us, uh, Ron Guerin, uh, Ed Liu, uh, Michelle Togini, uh, Jean-Francois Clairvoy, uh, and Doran Panaria. So I think we have five astronauts or cosmonauts with us. Um, and so those folks are fantastic because we get to send them out to schools. But they'll also be talking on the broadcast. Um, and then we've got um, engineers and scientists that are helping build the guts of either our understanding or some of these um, mission technologies. Um, so we go everything from uh, education to characterization to uh, scientific exploration to the kinds of tools that are helping us un understand asteroids, as well as what's happening in the new space world. I'm just going to add into that list uh, my old friend Phil Plate, who's uh, listed uh, on that lineup for this uh, this big broadcast of uh, 2022. It's so exciting to see this work happening, not just among the scientists and engineers who actually get to be in the forefront of uh, avoiding this avoidable disaster, but to making the world aware of it and uh, seeing how we can all come together to prevent it. Do you see progress in that area? Do you see growing awareness? Yes. The answer is absolutely yes. And I often say to people um, that I feel like we're entering into the decade of asteroid discovery. I mean, we have so, we've got two fantastic missions with Hayabusa 2, OSIRIS-REx, we've got Lucy and Psyche, and a couple of more coming out of um, both China um, and the UAE. This is the decade we're going to learn a lot about these celestial objects. You know, that's progress, right? It's progress of knowledge. It's progress of investment. It's uh, progress of, of learning new things about our, our closest celestial objects. Danica, once again, thank you. Uh, have a wonderful time at that, uh, that big worldwide party. Uh, we'll be with you in spirit, if not in person. Thank you for having me, Matt. Danica Remy, co-founder of Asteroid Day. I'll be right back with Detlef Koshny, leader of the European Space Agency's Planetary Defense Program. This is Planetary Radio. Hi, I'm Bruce Betts. Will you help defend Earth? The Planetary Society is working to protect our world from an asteroid impact. It's the only large-scale natural disaster we can prevent, but we're not ready yet. Right now, your support can be doubled. A generous member of the Society will match all gifts up to a total of $15,000. It's a great opportunity to make a difference. You can learn more at planetary.org slash defend earth. That's planetary.org slash defend earth. There's so much going on in the world of space science and exploration, and we're here to share it with you. Hi, I'm Sarah, digital community manager for the Planetary Society. Want more space? We've got the latest news, pretty planetary pictures, and Planetary Society publications on our social media channels. You can find the Planetary Society on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. I hope you'll like and subscribe so you never miss the next exciting update from the world of planetary science. Welcome back to Planetary Radio. I'm Matt Kaplan. We last heard from Detlef Koshny in 2015. He was among the all-stars at that year's Planetary Defense Conference in Frascati, Italy. 
and he joined us on stage for Planetary Radio Live from the headquarters of the Italian Space Agency. We've got a link to that special show on this week's episode page at planetary.org radio, along with his 2019 article for the Planetary Society. It's about the European Space Agency's planetary defense program. A lot has happened in the years since. In just one example, ESA is preparing for the HERA mission. HERA will rendezvous with asteroid Dimorphos about four years after that space rock has been slammed into by DART, NASA's double asteroid redirection test. But there's much more, more than we have time for here. Our complete conversations with both Detlef and Danica Remy can also be heard at planetary.org radio. Detlef is now acting head of ESA's efforts. He's also a planetary scientist who has been part of many ESA and NASA missions. Detlef, welcome back to Planetary Radio. I bring you greetings from your old Caltech classmate, Bruce Betts. He says hi. Yeah, Matt, great talking to you, even though this time it's not in person. And please give my best regards back to Bruce. I will be happy to, of course. So uh, let's get right into it. How would you describe humanity's progress toward being able to defend itself from these uh, space rocks, asteroids, comets, near-Earth objects that want to kill us? That's actually the, the good news here. I think the progress is really good. We are making a lot of progress. When I started in this whole business, that was, uh, let me think, it was like 15 years ago. I remember a statement by somebody who I will not name now, but a famous scientist in our field who I respect highly. And he was saying, we're basically unprepared. I think that changed significantly over the last 15 years. We're still not quite there. There's still a bit of way to go, but we have observational capabilities, which are at least in the basic setup, fulfilling our needs. We know whom to talk to if something happens. Who do we actually warn and things like that? So it's it's not 100% there. I would say we're 70% there, but it's much better than 15 years ago. I'll say, yeah. And I hear this from so many people. And we'll get into some of those details. You wrote a great article for our website, the Planetary Society website back in 2019, that described at that point, ESA, the European Space Agency's planetary defense work. We'll link to that from this week's show page at planetary.org slash radio, along with some other great resources. But I found a more recent article that says ESA uh, stepped up its game last October including things like a, a new near-Earth object coordination center in that, that great little town of uh, Frascati, Italy. Tell us wh what this means. T take us through this. We already had a large presence of colleagues at our Italian location, which we call ESRIN, which stands for something. I forgot it's an acronym, <laughs> but it's the, uh, one of our ESA instantiations in Europe. And we've been there for a while now, and it, we already had something we called Nearest Object Coordination Center. But it sort of was more the people that were there. Now we actually get a fantastic building with it. We have a small building. It hosts 15 people max. 
but it's super modern. It has this moss from Iceland on the wall, which is, you know, making the sound quality fantastic. The, the, the climate in the building is great. So we really have a center there with big screens on the wall. And that's where most of our people are located now that deal with this topic of observing asteroids, computing their orbits and warning the emergency response agencies. It was clear from this article that ESA is doing much, much more than creating this coordination center. Can you take us through some of these uh, activities? I think one of the important steps that we did last year was that we really became independent in terms of orbit computation. You know that the, I would say, the cradle of orbit computation tools for asteroids, that to me is in Pisa in Italy. At the university there, Professor Milani a long time ago developed this concept that we need to compute orbits into the future and how complicated that is, he found out, and he solved many of these issues. Until last year, still, we were relying in a lot of our ESA orbit computations on the group in PISA. We are working closely with them, but now we have our own orbit computation system. It's called AstOD, and we will give it a nice fancy name probably on Asteroid Day. It will be announced then. That is now really on par with, say, the JPL Sentry computation system, which does essentially the same thing. And always we have been coordinating and double-checking, talking to each other, comparing results. But now we can say we're really, truly independent. And it's good to hear. You don't want, I would think, just one major group uh, determining these orbits because it is notoriously difficult, right? It takes an enormous amount of of computing, and there are so many factors to consider. Nice to have uh, you guys being able to compare results and data. It's always been like that, in a sense, between the group in PISA and JPL. That was always there. Now, we we try to bring this long-term stability of rather than having a university or a small company doing this, we now have another agency that's really behind that. And I think that's really the big step forward. Currently, we do a very detailed study, including industrial studies on a space-based infrared mission, which we will propose to our delegates, those people that make the money available for ESA. And there's a high interest there in the ESA member countries to pursue that project. There was a great fictional depiction of what could happen, sort of a very much a worst case situation uh, not long ago. Uh, Did you see the movie Don't Look Up? I saw it three times, and it's not just me. Actually, my wife asked to see it several times. She really liked that very much. And when I say like, I have to say that that doesn't mean it's just a funny movie. I think, unfortunately, there are many points in there which made me start thinking, oh, is it really like that? And unfortunately, most of the time, my answer was, yep, it's really like that. Definitely a movie to watch. And I will be giving a short presentation about asteroids and everything in Berlin next weekend. And I was asked to refer to that movie. And my reference is, yes, planetary defense offices exist. And this is the logo of the European version. (laughs) I love that shirt. (laughs) For the radio audience, uh, it's it's an ESA shirt. Uh, with a terrific logo, planetary defense logo, uh, showing our our beautiful pale blue dot being protected by a blue shield from an approaching asteroid. Great work. Great stuff. (laughs) Detlef, I am very glad that you and others like you at DISA 
are still on that voyage of discovery that, you know, who knows, may someday just uh, save the world. We will never stop with our voyage here. Thank you so much, Detlef. Great to talk to you again. Thank you for having me, Matt. Detlef Koshny is acting head of the European Space Agency's Planetary Defense Program. It is time for What's Up with the Chief Scientist of the Planetary Society, Dr. Bruce Bett. Uh, he runs uh, all of our programmatic type uh, planetary defense stuff. Uh, so uh, I imagine you're pretty happy to hear that that uh, has been the topic uh, already today. I am. I'm a passionate believer in asteroid defense, as is the Planetary Society. It's one of those things that doesn't happen very often, but it will happen. And, and, and here's the key point, we can actually do something about it. Can't stop a hurricane, but we can stop an asteroid if we, if we work at it. Detlef Koshny, I, I told him that uh, you sent your greetings as a former Caltech uh, classmate. And uh, he, he was he, very nice. He smiled and said, Bruce who? No, actually, he was, <laughs> he was very nice. He said, uh, give, you, give you his regards. To be clear, he was a postdoc. I was a, a graduate student. And he's looked down on me ever since. <laughs> then again, most people do, and it has nothing to do with that. So never mind. No, no, I, I enjoyed Detlef. Uh, he's a good guy. Uh, oh, and I also wanted to say how, uh, how happy I am with our involvement with Asteroid Day. Thank you for bringing that up. I appreciate hearing what's going on in the night sky, too. Not much of a segue, but the best I can do, it's hot here. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's hot. You look like you're on Venus. <laughs> speaking of Venus, there, how, see, that's a segue. That's a segue. Speaking, speaking of Venus, Venus is low in the east in the pre-dawn. All those planets, all five planets you can see with just your eyes, are still there, although they're spreading out across the sky, and Mercury will be setting soon. But in the next few days, you can pick up Mercury if you've got a clear view to the eastern horizon before dawn, and Mercury is below Venus. And they're all in nice little order, though, still going across the sky, like the order from the sun with going Mercury to Venus, go up higher. Well, you can look down and look at your feet and see the Earth. But then you look up and you see reddish Mars, which, by the way, will be brightening significantly over the coming months. So mm. keep an eye on it. And then uh, we've got those other planets, you know, bright Jupiter, yellowish Saturn, but they're really starting to spread out. In fact, we've got Saturn rising in the late evening now and Jupiter rising in the middle of the night. And they'll just keep rising earlier and earlier. Oh, and one other point, July 4th. The Earth is at aphelion, our farthest point in our orbit from the sun in our somewhat elliptical orbit. All right, on to this week in space history. You may have noticed that in 1908 was the Tunguska impact. June 30th had something to do with something. <laughs> Asteroid day. That's it. More recently, 2005, deep impact slammed into a comet. That was cool. We did Comet Bash. We did a program and it was live and uh, it threw material out and it was good stuff. Uh, 1997, 25th anniversary of the Pathfinder landing on Mars. Pathfinder and the first rover on Mars, Sojourner. And we celebrate that in the uh, June solstice issue of the Planetary Report. We talked about that. Was it last week or a couple of weeks ago? Last week, I guess, that uh, that you'll find at planetary.org looking back over that uh, 25 years of extraordinary uh, Mars exploration, TPR. Yes, the, the, the restart of Mars exploration. On to <laughs> random space fact. 
I've got a good random space fact. I'm really proud of this one. Uh, this is something I dug up. I was looking at Apophis, the large asteroid that will do a close flyby, but not hit Earth in 2029. And it turns out the long, longest side of Apophis is about the same length as the height of Half Dome in Yosemite National Park in California. Wow. And so if you turned it on its long end next to Half Dome, it would roughly be the same height as Half Dome is above the valley floor. If you don't aren't familiar with Yosemite and Half Dome, uh, take a look online. It's uh it's it makes it it's impressive. Around 440 450 meters. I am very uh, familiar with Yosemite and Yosemite Valley, where Half Dome sits, and that really brings home how big that uh, space rock is, because Half Dome is uh, no shrinking violet. It's big. It's big. It's take my word for it. It's really big. Have you uh, free climbed to the free solo up the to the top? <laughs> no, not without a jetpack. But uh, I have hiked up to the top of Half Dome. Nice and, job. Uh, that was that was strenuous enough for me. I've seen it from the valley floor. Very impressive. It's much more impressive than if you hike up. That's what I heard. Oh, we move we move on to the trivia contest quickly. And I asked you, who is the first woman to fly in space twice? I'm going to give you the answer from uh, Jean Lewin first. Jean Lewin in Washington. Not only did she fly there, she took a stroll about the heavens, a three plus hour EVA, a female first from Soviet Seven. She's held many records. A hero of the USSR. Svetlana Savitskaya, first woman twice to touch the stars. Indeed, indeed, that is correct, Svetlana Savitskaya. She was amazingly accomplished, and I believe she's still around. Yes, she is. And uh, she was also, I should note, the second woman in space after a 20-year gap from the first woman, Tereshkova, and shortly before Sally Ride became the first American woman in space. Here's our winner. He's a first-time winner, and it was his first attempt, his first uh, entry into the contest. You're making other people weep out there. I know they're just they're, they're tearing their hair out. I'm sure. Todd Barn in Arizona. Todd said, "Yeah, Svetlana Savitskaya, uh, 82 and 84." He says, first time I'm actually entering the contest, even though I'm a member of the society and have been listening for years. I just really want a copy of this book. Well, Todd, you're going to get this book from Psyche Principal Investigator Lindy Elkins-Tanton, Portrait of the Scientist as a Young Woman. Got a lot of nice compliments on that conversation that I had with uh, Lindy uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it really, it was very special. And uh, we are sorry to, uh, we were sorry to learn, as we mentioned at the top of the show, that uh, looks like Psyche's not going to be launched this uh, this year. They're not going to be able to work out those uh, software problems yet, but uh Space is hard, right, Bruce? Oh, it sure is. Believe me. I know. Ready for the next one? Yeah. What are the names of the two cameras on Lycia Cube, the Italian CubeSat companion to the DART mission? What are the cameras named? I enjoyed the answer, so that's why I'm sharing. Go to planetary.org slash radio contest. You have until the 6th. That'll be Wednesday, July 6th at 8 a.m. Pacific time. And here's the prize once again. Another really good book. Why? It's by Dr. Bruce Betts. It's Solar System Reference for Teens. Oh, yeah. We had another signed copy. I neglected to mention that last week. This will be a signed copy. He's already signed several copies. A fascinating guide to our planets, moons, space programs, 
and more. And who's it published by? I don't have it open to that page. Rockridge Press. You're right. It is published by Rockridge Press. <laughs> Give that man an asteroid. <laughs> hey! Uh, yeah, we're done. All right, everybody, go out there, look up the night sky, and think how we can help cool Matt off for the rest of the summer. Thank you. Good night. Everybody, look for my uh, Kickstarter to uh, buy Matt a window air conditioner. Just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I can't trust you people. Somebody out there might start one. Uh, That was Bruce Betts, who I'm looking at in his air-conditioned home uh, up there in Pasadena, near the headquarters of the Planetary Society. He is the chief scientist of uh, the Society, who joins us every week here for What's Up. Planetary Radio is produced by the Planetary Society in Pasadena, California, and is made possible by its members, who are heroes of planetary defense. Mark Hilverda and Ray Paletta are our associate producers. Josh Doyle composed our theme, which is arranged and performed by Peter Schlosser. Ad Astra. Ad Astra.